Welcome to the podcast, Life Lessons from Travels Off the Beaten Path. Hi, my name is Justine Murray, and I'm also known as Lighter Step Justine, as we strive to step lightly across the earth and only leave footprints. This podcast is about the life lessons I've learned as a traveler, particularly when I decided to step off the beaten path. Mostly this occurred in the non-digital era when there was no internet or mobile phones. My sometimes bizarre and always unforgettable adventures around the globe, often as a solo woman traveller, gave me great insight into living a fulfilled life, blessed with all my senses, to enjoy the wonders the world has to offer. From wildlife encounters, to midnight crashes, to dodging stalkers and trekking with tribes, to travelling with a child and around work commitments. I will entertain you with my stories and what each adventure has taught me, along with some general travel and life wisdom along the way. I also will be bringing in other travellers who can captivate us with their own travel stories and the life lessons they have learned. So tune in to me each week and let's get entertained with travel. So I'm going to continue on with my journey where we left Goray Island, got back on the overland truck and drove through Senegal east to we got to Mali. Now Mali is a it's a very interesting country. It's on the border where the driver is in the Sahara and uh, and then it it also reaches south into the uh, towards equatorial Africa. And we came through the western border into uh, Keynes and then drove uh, onto Mopti. Now, Mopti is in a, I'm not sure that's how you say it, but um, it's close to the Saharan desert and it's. Um, it's on the, the Niger River. Okay, the Niger River is it's quite an extensive river and it flows obviously all the, from Niger all the way through Mali and down to the coast. And it's a, um, it's a lifeline for a lot of people in Mali because it's a desert region so they they have to rely on the water. And so Mopti was, um, it is situated right on the Niger River. So when we stopped there, uh, there was, you know, there's obviously the markets right on the river. There's a lot of fish, happening, you know, fish fishing happening and, uh, and they also grow vegetables along the, the edges of the river uh, and other crops, of, of course. Um, and Northern Mali is famous for its mud temples. It's, it, well, they're, they're mosques, actually, um, you know, because they're Islamic. And so they have these huge 
mud temples. Uh, big as a, oh, as a, as a, um, oh, easily. Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I can't. I, I can't think how to measure this from from memory. Uh, but if you look at if you look up these towns on Wikipedia or something, you'll see these temples. They're they're absolutely massive, and they're just made with mud with wood, big beams of uh, you know trees and wood sticking out to to hold their shape. Uh, and you'll see it's a pattern of these these wood sticking out with these. Um, Along up the walls, and they—they're not just a, yeah, four squares. They're exquisitely designed, uh, with towers, and um, yeah, a bit like looking like a fort, but it's made of mud and clay. So it was, it was quite impressive. And the one that uh, mocked it was was one of, is one of the biggest, and. Uh, it's very, very impressive. Uh, and the other thing about Motti is it's close to the Saharan desert, and at the Saharan desert, there's a an escarpment called the Bandagara Escarpment, and so this is um cliffs that actually go up to uh, sometimes up to um, 500 meters in in height in some areas uh, they're sandstone cliffs and and then on top of the cliffs is you have this um, yeah you have a plateau and um, they go straight into the desert right um, and this escarpment stretches for about 150 kilometers. And what's so famous about this escarpment was, or is, is uh, there's a tribe that reside there um, called the Dogon people. And they originally established themselves along this escarpment because they would hide from the Islamic population who, whenever there was any uh, conflict happening and they they would write from many years ago they would come and um, take the Dogon tribe uh, for slaves and as part of that slave trade I talked about last episode and uh, and others so they used to hide they used to, used to climb the escarpment or hide in this all these caves uh, and so it's and it's now a big tourist attraction because the Dogons are famous for their uh, their elaborate dances and their mask, you know, they have masks that are, you know, at least three foot tall, and they also dance on stilts, and so as well. So, uh, math, you know, very very tall dances and uh, amazing ceremonies. So, when we got to uh, Mopti, we wanted to go. Of course, to see the Dogons, and uh, the truck wasn't going to go there, so we decided we decided as a group to go out ourselves. It was about uh, 
oh, at least 15 k's away or maybe maybe um maybe more and so we started walking there and you know we are talking this is the rangeland going into the desert so it was pretty hot and it was long uh and eventually a uh an ox cart came along and we actually hopped and got a ride on that and we turned up at this village and we had a um we had a tour guide with us uh who was taking us there and we were there at the time they were having a uh, a festival a ceremony and so they were doing these dances every night and it was fascinating to watch these dances but the other thing was um generally these these dances were uh, a male only ceremony so if you were female you tended to get harassed at these um ceremonies so and the way i mean by being harassed is they would um they would come at you and uh and try and scare you and you know so you would go away so a bit of that was happening uh, but uh i <laughs> i wasn't intimidated too much because i was just I was just fascinated by this culture and these, you know, the way these people were dancing and their their masks and their, you know, how can you dance on stilts of all? How can you walk on stilts, let alone dance on them? And and yeah, and then you had the mask that the actual the you know the three foot mask on top on your head. Uh, another part of their ceremony was um, they a, a group of uh, horsemen came in. And these horses were all done up in their traditional drab oh, you know, gear, uh, and these you know fancy saddles, which were uh, <laughs> just um, very high up in the pommel, very high up in the back and the cantle. Uh, and what would happen is they would get, is they would um, come around in a circle and the the riders all had uh, a drum and a little um drum like a, a double-ended drum and they would beat this drum and each horse horse and horse rider in, in return would get their horse to rear and give a potential little buck and if the rider stayed on they were all cheered and yeah yeah and then and all the riders stayed on it was it was quite interesting to watch and then after the ceremony, we were taken over to the escarpment, and we were um, shown we were, we were shown the cliff, and we were um, and then this, the cliff is where they actually bury their you know the people that have passed away, and so they have all these little. Uh, little structures they make like a like a granary but it's actually a um it's where they bury people and they're right on the escarpment and into the cliff and so you know it's basically a um a cemetery a, a, a tomb site and but it was very very interesting and each village had its own little 
part of a cliff where that's where they buried their their members of their tribe that had died. And we stayed at a uh, at a at a house there on uh, for the night. Uh, and the next morning, we actually climbed up the escarpment and went up to some of the villages on the top of the escarpment in the Sahara. And they were a little bit different. They were um, so you got your houses are very you know flat roofed houses, and that's where they're able to dry out their the crops that they'd grown, such as the um, you know, millet and and all that. So they'd lay them out and and they dry it on, on on top, and then then they'd have um, these little granaries, like little uh, cylinders with the thatch roofs, um, and this is where they kept this dried out grain, and they had male and female uh, of these little cylinder type. Our granaries, and uh, so they said the male ones were always well made and uh, pretty much kept insects and all that out, and the females weren't made as well as the the males. Um, so potentially mice could get in or something like that. Uh, and they had. Um, it, you know, the huts which you lived in, as well as they had women's huts and men's huts as well. Uh, and then the following day, we went back down the escarpment and we um, were going to walk to another village. <laughs> and uh, when we were walking along, a few horsemen came up and they were the horsemen that had been had taken part in the ceremony a couple of days ago. And uh, and we were in on the ox cart and they said, Stop, 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 stop and, and I, I asked the newest one, I said, Oh, do you mind if um I have a ride on your horse? And uh, I mean Mali and all West Africa is actually uh, is French. And so it's very hard to get by just with English. And so I asked, I asked them in my uh, limited French and uh, someone helping me to translate, can I ride your horse? And um, this man got off his horse and handed me the reins to get on the horse. And um, I had on a, uh, a sarong, you know, cloth around me. So it was a little bit awkward. But with this seat that had this, you know, the big, big front, big back, and as soon as I got on the horse, the other riders was two other riders with, they came up around me and started beating their drum, <laughs> and the horse, the horse went up in the air and reared, and then did his little, um, you know, his little half, oh, uh, pig root, and. Uh, of course, I stayed on the horse because, you know, I, I did that for a living. And the the riders, including the one that owned the, the horse I was on, was very impressed that I managed to stay on this horse and when it did its tricks. And they all, they cheered and they went and they and they took off with me. They said, come with her. And they took off with me. And we, um, you know, basically galloped to the next village. And we arrived at this next village and... Uh, and then it came, they 
all gathered around and all the people from the village came out and all gathered around and they were astonished to see me on this horse. And they started beating the drum again and, and the horse did the same thing and, and I stayed on again. And, and then um, I, when I had to get off the horse, I forgot I was on this saddle and I, you know, my normal of being on an English saddle, you swing your leg over and you hop off. But of course I'd forgotten this saddle had this huge big back to it. And I went to swing my leg over and I got caught and I'm on this horse, half on, half on, half off this horse, for, you know, with this sarong on, stuck, you know, getting off. So it was not a very dignified way off the horse after I'd just proven how good I was at staying on this horse. And then I made it complete full of myself and not been able to get off. Um, anyway, and uh, the, the owner of the horse, he had walked back. And he had arrived by this time and he had you know, seen how the audience and and I found out from others that um he was actually the chief of the village and I had taken the chief's horse <laughs> and he had walked back to the village and I had ridden. So no wonder they were astonished and it was um and he he was quite happy about the other the others that the only the people who were riding horses were chiefs of the village and I didn't know that. Um, anyway, so it was it was absolutely a, a, the biggest honour to to be allowed to ride the horse and be part of their little uh, ceremony and their you know the, the the drums and the the rearing and 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 actually not make a fool of myself except for when I got off and um, and just it, it's something I've never forgotten. It was it was a wonderful time. Uh, and then we had to go back uh, to the truck after this was um, three or four days out at the Dogons, which was uh, an amazing, an amazing village that had not been uh, influenced too much by Western civilization. They still very much kept to their traditional ways and uh, and lit in their you know subsistence farming through uh you know fishing and and growing food uh and um and their their beliefs their religions and beliefs and not taking on the um islamic cult that most of mali had had done uh and unfortunately I've since read about up about how um, the current situation in Mali. It's a it's actually now a no go zone, and uh, there is uh, a lot of conflict between the Islamic extremists. Unfortunately, Al Qaeda and ISIS has got behind some of the Islamic groups, and uh, they've been terrorising the communities. Uh, a lot of people have been displaced from their homes, um, and you know there's um, there's continual uh, kidnappings occurring, and um, including foreigners. So it's recommended that no one travels in Mali uh, at this present time. I mean, we can't at the moment with COVID anyway, but um, it's unfortunate that in Africa is such a uh, is so volatile. You never know, even when you're 
when you leave, you never know at what time any of these countries will start a conflict or start some sort of coup. And uh, and one minute you can be safe, the next minute you're in a war zone and uh, you have to somehow get out of there. Um, and we were lucky at the time when we went through, and this is the beginning of 94, uh, we had we had New Year on our travels through um, out through Senegal, uh, just on the road. But um, this was a, a great start to our New Year, uh, and we were just lucky to experience it. The, um, the, uh, I have read that the Dogons have been uh, recently, over the last ten years or so, been um, uh, again targeted from other groups and it's uh it's a place you you cannot you cannot visit you cannot see and i just hope they survive it yet again and come out of it still with a strong with their strong culture and their strong uh their strong commitment to maintaining their individuality as a tribe And so I, I leave you with this episode as to uh, what we need. Uh, you know, we have to be careful. It's great going off the beaten track, but we really must keep an eye on uh, internal and external influences and uh, potential of conflict occurring at any time. Like always, I want to leave you with a thought to consider. What is your environmental and cultural footprint when you travel? How are you showing up to the country and the culture you are showing up with to make a better interaction for all concerned? Leaving the environment as you found it? Reducing your impact on local resources and cultures to come out with such a positive outlook for both the local population and environment and yourself? Okay, please follow my podcast if you're enjoying what you are hearing and share it to others so they too may be inspired. I will catch you next time.